the miracle of transformation. We spoke on this last Sunday, but I want to continue the same topic as we talk about this being a year of miracles. If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of John, chapter 3, verse 22 through 30. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim, because there was plenty of water, and the people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put into prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing, and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. Did you hear that verse? Can we read that together, that last verse? He must become greater, I must become less. And let me ask you a question. Do you really believe that? He must become greater. John understood this. John said, he has to become greater. Jesus has to become greater, and I have to become less. Father God, I pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that the things that are spoken today, anything that's of me or of my flesh, I just pray that it would fall to the ground. But I pray, God, what your people need to hear, what is going to transform their lives, your living word, May it find a good place within their hearts and their minds. And we ask and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want to try and help you understand what was going on here. John the Baptist was a very popular man at this time. All over the area and all over the region, people were talking about him. And talking about his ministry. Large crowds of people were following him and coming out to be baptized by him. And there was rumors throughout the land. Some people were even think that this guy might be the Christ. This guy, John, may be the anointed one that they've been prophesying about for hundreds of years. Some people were thinking that he's Elijah or he's a prophet. And, and so the religious leaders sent people out to question and to find out who John was. They asked him, John, what should we tell the people? Because people want to know who you are. Tell us, what should we tell them? And and John replied, in John chapter 1, verse 23, John replied to them, he said, with the very same words that Isaiah spoke. And he said, I'm the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. John said, I'm just a, a voice that's yelling out in the desert to anyone who will hear it. And my call is to prepare the way for the Lord. John knew that he was created to prepare the way for God, to make straight the paths and make it easy for people to come to him. That John knew that it was not about him or what he would do or what he would accomplish or what accolades he would receive. It wasn't about his reputation But he was given a higher purpose. 
to prepare the way for Jesus. John also understood some things that you and I need to grasp today. John understood that he must become greater and I must become less. Let me read that to you. That same verse of Scripture, I have a few other versions. The American Standard Version, it says, He must increase, but I must decrease. The Good News Translation puts it this way. He must become more important while I become less important. And the Message Bible refers to it like this. It says, this is the assigned movement for him to move into the center while I slip off the sidelines. John's followers came to him with what was to them some very disturbing news. They're saying, John, you remember that guy who you talked to just the other day? He's on the other side of town. He's just a few miles away. And These large crowds, they're following him. You notice that our crowds are down. His crowds are growing. Now the scripture doesn't say this, but perhaps John's followers were jealous for his reputation. Perhaps John's followers were jealous for his position. They're saying, wait a minute, John, for his status. Wait, John's a righteous man. John's an incredible guy. He's a preacher of righteousness. John's the man. But John said, no, I'm not the man. John had told them, he's going to increase and I'm going to decrease. The same is true for every follower of Jesus today. I want you to listen to this. If you're a true follower of Jesus, he's going to bring us into a place of decrease. I hate that. Everything in my flesh fights against decrease. Everything within your flesh does not want to die or be put down. There's something within us that the flesh never wants to be denied. It always wants to be recognized. It always wants to be fed. It always wants to be satisfied. But John said, he's going to increase and I'm going to decrease. And as followers of Jesus... Jesus calls each of us to that place where he increases, where his will, his purposes, his plans move to the center of the stage and where you and I kind of drift off, no longer seen. Huh? Wait a minute. God, I have my will. I have my desires. I have all of these things that I feel like I need. And yet John says, no. He's got to increase. Maybe some of you feel that way. Some of you, just like John's followers, would say, who is this Jesus guy? John, you're supposed to be center stage. John, you're supposed to continually to be increasing. You're supposed to continually being acknowledged. Who is this Jesus guy who's starting to take center stage? I'm going to tell you something. Your flesh says that to you every time you say no to it. It says, who is this Jesus guy who's trying to push his way into my life? Who is this Jesus guy who's getting, wait a minute. Who is this Jesus guy who's getting his way? What about me? What about what I want? What about what I desire? Just a couple quick things. The scripture teaches us some very challenging things as we talk. Remember last week, we talked about 
are we dead yet? We talked about crucifying the sinful nature. We talked about Paul saying, I've been crucified with Christ. I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. A couple difficult things that the scripture teaches us. Yet in many ways, when we follow these decrees, life becomes so much easier. The first one is found in Matthew 16, verse 24. And then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone, does anyone include you and me? Does it just mean in three days after Jesus was resurrected or six months after Jesus was resurrected? Or just the, quote, the people who were alive when after Jesus' resurrection? Does it just apply to them? Anyone applies to all of us in every generation since Jesus spoke it. And he said this, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, underline that if you write in your Bible, and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. And in the end... What good is it for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Did you hear what Jesus said? Whoever tries to save his life is going to lose it. All of you who are trying to save your life, all of you who are trying, here would be the principle. If we say to you, what, all of you who, who you determine in your heart, I'm going to save this, I'm going to keep this. You're going to lose it. All the things that we try to hold on to, the word says that whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for his sake will find it. And I also want to point out to you, did you hear what Jesus said? That anyone who is following after him must deny themselves. Well, wait a minute there. That goes against everything within our flesh. Because my flesh and my desires are whatever I want Just get out of my way. Am I the only one who has a sinful nature that works that way? That's what our sinful nature says. It says, shame on you if you get on my way. Shame on you if you try to tell me no to something. But Jesus said, if you're going to follow him, that we have to deny ourselves. The flesh is like a selfish child that continually keeps saying, I want, I want, I want. And the more you give it, the more emboldened it becomes. We create monsters sometimes. We just give them whatever you need. Let me just do whatever you want for you. And what do we do? We think we're helping them, but in reality, we're crippling them. The same is true of our flesh. The more you give to it, the more you yield to it, the more demanding it becomes. Jesus calls us to deny ourselves. And he goes further than that. And he says that we're to take up our cross and follow him. Now listen, not only do I have to say no to my flesh, no to what I desire. Now there's some of you who you just hate that. We sit in church and we smile and we say amen, pastor, that's really good. But let somebody say no to you. Don't get your way and what do you do? Now, we explain in a way why that other person is wrong for not giving us our way. We never look at ourselves or seldom look at ourselves and say, I have to deny myself. It's always somebody else's fault and and why other people don't understand why I absolutely have to get my way. 
And yet Jesus says, no, you've got to deny yourself. And he takes it a step further. And he says, you're called to take up your cross. This isn't popular preaching in today's world. Because you know that the world revolves around you, right? And your happiness and your contentment. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross so that you could be happy and never have a problem. That's what many people, that's their theology today. That Jesus died on the cross so that I could get my way all the time and always be happy. That's not why he died on the cross. He died on the cross because we're wretched. And we're blind and we're naked. And we don't have anything. We don't have anything that could allow God to look upon us. There's nothing of value that we have to give to him. And he loves us. And we've offended God. And we have spit in his face. And we've done everything against a loving, holy, perfect God. And his justice and his righteousness demands that your sin must be paid for. He died upon the cross because of his passionate love for you. And yet in spite of that, in spite of all that we have done against God and his love for us again and again, so many people are saying, well, what else are you going to do for me today, God? Oh, I didn't get my way, so now I'm going to be mad at you and I'm not going to serve you. You didn't make me happy in this way, so I'm going to take my Bible and just run away. We are called to carry our cross. A cross is a burden. A cross is something that your flesh is nailed to. It's something that you and I need to be crucified upon. That our flesh, there are some burdens that Jesus has called to bury. And there's a theology today that simply says this. If you don't feel good, if it's not like always joyful, then this can't be God's will. That's not true. Jesus said that you need to take up your cross and follow him. Now, as I was preparing this message, one of the things that the Lord put upon my heart is how painful it is to carry the cross. And as I was preparing, I felt God kind of gave me a, this visual image in my heart and in my mind and in my spirit. And what I saw was an individual. They had taken up their cross and they were carrying it along a path. And along that path, it was heavy, it was a burden, it was hard, it was painful. But Jesus had called them to pick up their cross and follow him. And along this path, as I saw this, it was as if someone said, this is too much. What you're asking me to do is too much. In fear, in anger, and in rebellion, saw him just take it off and just throw it down. I'm not going to do it. No, what you're asking me to do is too much. It's not fair. Listen to me. If you don't carry the cross, you don't get to wear the crown. If you're not willing to pick up your cross, here's the thing. Why this is the thing that's hurting me? Why do I have to carry it? Why do I have to carry it? Because Jesus said there's certain things. He said that you're to take up your cross and follow him. Now, here's the thing. This idea of dying to ourself or becoming less... What it really comes down to is an issue of faith and trust in God. Listen to me. It's an issue of faith and trust in God. As you pick up your cross that God has given to you, you follow him. And along the way, those fears and doubts, and you say, I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know if I give up my will, what will God do? 
what will I do if I don't get my way? Not in a selfish way. I don't think people are necessarily selfish like that. It's a fear. If I really trust God, what will he do to me? What will it really cost me? And am I willing to pay the price, whatever the price that he asks of me? The cross is not optional. This is not an option. It's not, I might want it, I might take it. It's a command. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, whoever is going to follow after me, deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Isn't it odd that the person who doesn't want to carry their cross, the person who's trying to save their life, in the end, Jesus' word declares that they're going to lose it. But the person who willingly gives their life will be the one who saves it. How odd that is. The second thing, the greatest will be a servant. What did John say? John says, I must decrease and he must increase. For many of us, there comes a times in our life where we say, I don't want to decrease. The idea of us becoming less, of us being a servant, there's sometimes there's a point in our lives where we've come so far along where we feel like, okay, God, you brought me to a place where now it's kind of my time. It's my time now. Matthew 20, verse 25, tells us that the greatest in the kingdom is going to be a servant. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over you, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be first become great must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. I'm going to tell you what. This grates against our flesh. Being a servant. It grates against our flesh. It grates against our pride. It grates against our sinful nature. And as we sit here, I know that there's some of you who say, No, Pastor. I love to serve. One of the joys of my life really is this, is being able to serve because I get more back than what I give. Can we ratchet up a level? Ready to ratchet up? What some of us, we've said, well, pastor, I love to serve. No, it's not a problem for me being a servant. Well, let me just say this to you. What about when people treat you like you're a servant? Oh, well, now, I don't know about that. We don't mind serving as long as people show the proper appreciation the proper attitude. What about when people don't show you the respect or the appreciation that you feel you deserve as a servant? Oh, I'm just a humble servant. Let someone treat you that way. And what happens? Our flesh rises up. You're not going to do this to me. I'm not going to let you treat me this way. What does it show? It shows that I'm really not as much of a servant as I'd like to think that I am. So the greatest... In the kingdom is going to be a servant. Wow. So it's not about finding ways to get people to serve me. A servant, and not just being willing to serve, but someone who has the heart of a servant. Even when people don't appreciate what you've done. Even when no one recognizes what you've done. Even when you've done the right thing for long periods of time with no accolades no appreciation, no thank yous. 
Jesus says, if it's a person who is able to do that, he's going to be the greatest. And what is that? That's dying to ourself. That's dying to our flesh. Finally, there's another principle that the scripture teaches us is that the first are going to be last. Matthew 19, verse 27. Peter answered him. He said, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And anyone who has left houses or brothers or sister or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. There's a lot of jockeying for status and position in life. On the job, there's a lot of jockeying for position, status. In the sports field, in school, our teenagers have to deal with that. This jockeying for position, for status. Unfortunately, in church, sometimes there's a jockeying for position. At social events, and sometimes it, it's like there's a pecking order. And this is very prevalent in school, you can go to a daycare and look in and you can see in a daycare that there's a pecking order. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those things, is this idea of this pecking order in life. And what is it? There's something within us that drives us that, maybe not everybody, but most people, there's something in it that drives us that we say, I don't want to be the last. I don't even have to be that great. But I don't want to be the last guy in line. I'm not saying i got to be like number one, but maybe second would be good, Lord. There's this thing within us that drives us to be first. And there's a good part of that. There's a good part of that that causes us to do our best and to work hard, to be diligent, and teaches us a lot of lessons. But Jesus teaches us this. You know, unfortunately, this sometimes carries over into adulthood. People trying to impress or to claw their way to the front of the line. And Jesus says that in his kingdom, the things are going to be turned around. And the person who received all of the accolades and all of the recognition, the person who climbed his way to the front of the line, is in that day going to be last. And the person who allowed others to go before him and didn't really consider himself He's going to be first. One of the things that always amazed me and blessed me is when you see someone who is genuinely humble, genuinely humble, someone who maybe in life has had incredible success or great victories or great accomplishments, and maybe they have a reason in their own, in their flesh, they have a reason to be proud. But you see them just willingly set those things aside, not considering them. And not this charity junk that makes us feel good so that it can make myself feel good. Not that kind of twisted lie. But someone who just really sees other people as valuable. Someone who says, you know what? It's not really about me. Someone who really has a heart like Jesus does. Who's truly humble. Jesus Although he is God, what do you do? 
He humbled himself. You and I are called to do the very same thing. The principle is this, that there's going to be a day and if you can spend all of your life and all this energy climbing to the top of the rope and getting to the front of the line and pushing other people aside and making sure you're seen and making sure you're noticed and making sure you've built up whatever it is that you need to build up to get you to the top. And Jesus says that, I just changed where we're going to start the line. We're going to start right here. And the last person is going to be first. If I understood that principle, some of you who get up real early to go on Black Friday, get up real early, like say, don't go to bed all night, and go out and get in line and stay in line for three hours in the snow to get in line to be the first in line. Can you imagine how ticked off people would be if they got in line, stood in line for three or four hours, the line goes the whole way around the building and down in the parking lot, and if somehow the manager or the owner of the store came out and said, uh, we're starting the line right here. I'm going to tell you something. In the kingdom... In the kingdom, what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be really ticked off whenever the father comes out and says, oh, okay, I know that you think this is the front and you've made your way up and you've done all these things to get you to the front of the line. But sorry, son, the line starts here. And to be honest, you don't have anything to say about it. The first are going to be last and the last are going to be first. There are some of you who have given up much for the cause of Christ. There's a promise that in the future, according to the scripture that we read, that God is going to reward you with eternal life. And he says, if you've given up those things for my sake, I'll give you a hundred times more. That's what Jesus taught. That's what the scripture teaches. As we close, are you afraid? Are you afraid to trust God with this scripture and to deny yourself? And to become less so that Jesus can be greater. No, the the dreams that you have, the plans that you have, the purposes. Are you willing to allow God to move what you want off of center stage of your life? And to put Jesus, to make room for him to be in the very center. Are you willing today... Because he's calling us to do that. To deny yourself. I don't know if I can. Some people say, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I really can. Because if I deny myself, what am I giving up? What will I lose? Can I really trust him? You have to decide that. He can't decide that for you. And not only that, he wants me to deny myself, but he's asking me to take up a cross and walk this path. And at the end... I don't know if I can do that. That's what it takes to be a disciple. To the rich young ruler, Jesus said, that I've done all these things. He said, man, that's really good. This is what I want you to do now. I want you to take all that you got here. I want you to sell it. And I want you to come and follow me. And this rich young man who had so much going for him, he went away sad. He said, I can't do it, Jesus. You're asking too much of me. You don't think God would have taken care of him. You don't think God would have given him so much more. Have you traded anything? In life, there's a lot of people who if you do a business deal with them, you're always going to lose. If you trade with them, you're always going to come out on the bottom. Let me ask you, what have you ever given to God? 
even those things that were valuable to you? What have you ever given to him that he didn't give you back something so much greater of more value to you in this life and in the life to come? Do you have the faith to do that today? As we close, I want to do two things. And the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart. There's nothing. What will you get? What will profit you if you gain everything and lose your soul? Or in the end, what will you be able to give in exchange for your soul? Lord wants to speak to you about that. You can get it all. You can have it all. But it will profit you nothing. Finally, and there's some other folks here who God's asking you to trust him and to say no to your flesh. And he's asking you to pick up a cross. And you're saying, Pastor, I know what he's saying to me. I don't think I can do it. Though I don't want to carry this cross. It hurts. And I don't know if I can deny myself these things because they seem so good. They seem like if if I give them up, what will I even have to live for? Friend, he'll give you something so much better. You got to be willing to let go of what's in your hand. And those dreams and those desires for his greater purposes. Who's the center of stage in your life? You going to stay there? You can. But you miss out on all that the Lord has. Father God, I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit would speak to people's hearts, speak very clearly and concisely. Pray that you would not stutter. I pray that they'd be able to hear very loudly in their hearts and their minds that the Spirit of God is calling to them today. You're not asking them to make a half-hearted commitment. You're asking them to make a complete and total commitment and surrender to you and to your will. I pray today that you give them the strength and the courage to do that. Lord, also today, there's some people who are very afraid about the crosses that you've asked them to bear. They say, I want to become less. I want Jesus to be first in my life, but if I, I don't know if I can give this up. And yet, Lord, when we deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow you, when we try to save our life, we end up losing it. But when we're willing to lose our life for your sake, we find it. And it can't be taken away from us. Speak to their hearts right now. Listen to me. He's calling you. You can keep rejecting. He's calling you. You don't come to God on your terms, though. You're not God. You come on his terms. You come when he calls. No man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. The promise of every day God drawing to you and calling to you is not there, my friend. Listen to me closely. The promise is not there that every day God's going to call you and every day he's going to draw you. There comes a day when God says, okay, and he remains silent. And in those days, even if you would desire, you can't come to God on your terms. We come to him when he calls And so today, as the Holy Spirit is calling you, let me say this to you, there's never a better day than today. The easiest time it'll ever be 
to break free from sin and habits is today. Why? Because today is a day of salvation. Today is a day that God is calling. He says, I, he'll say to you this. He'll say, I want to break, I want to shake that stuff out of your life, that garbage, that junk there. And you say, well, Pastor, in your mind, you're arguing with yourself and you're saying, I know how I'll do it. I don't know how to do it. Uh, it's too hard. It's too difficult. Yeah, you're saying all these explanations in your mind. But here's the thing. It's, that's, none, that's none of your business. If God calls you today, then the power is here today for God to transform your life. The power is here today for him to break those habits. The power is here today for him to release you. The power is here today for him to heal you. Lord Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. And I invite you to come in and to rule and reign in my heart. Lord, I don't even know how to do it, but I ask that you would teach me to follow you with all of my heart. Lord, I ask that you would teach me to surrender my will to your will. Lord, I pray that you would take me by the hand and walk with me in the name of Jesus. Lord, for those others, those, those other folks who have some things that they're afraid for you to crucify and it's hard for them to let go of. I just pray that this morning that the Holy Spirit would speak very clearly, concisely to them. I pray, Lord, that you would, as they step out this morning in faith, I pray that the Lord would empower them and that you would meet them when they step out. I pray that it would be literally as if the Spirit of the Lord meets them there. Lord, I pray that whatever you ask us to give, whatever you ask us to die to, whatever you ask us to carry, I pray that we would say yes. Thank you for the opportunity to serve my Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to give to you what already belongs to you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.